you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The Around the NFL Podcast. Passes the eye test. <laughs> yeah, we do. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis. I am joined by heroes, Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler. What's up, guys? Whoa, good. Who's on the camera today? There's a lot of... A lot of cuts. Whoa, Sammy did a trip. Check out the YouTube show. Sam did the triple. Do it again, Sam. Triple. Ready? Ready? Start on me. Here we go. I'm Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by heroes Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler. Ho! Give him a round of applause. Terrence Malick back there. This is like, uh, it's like we've got our own family sitcom. Sam's just jazzed up. Biggest Celtics fan I know, like in that Drew Holiday trade. Well, very good. Don't get too excited, though, Sam, the New England sports fan, because uh, <laughs> in just a minute or two, we're going to bring back uh, a staple of around the NFL. It is, of course, uh, our famous segment, Flashpoint Focus, is back. Ooh, those pipes. <laughs> oh, I said. It's back, Greggy. Well, she's excited to be receiving that one dollar and seventy-five cent check for <laughs> she gets every time we play it. I think when we uh, well paid, she's well paid. When I reached out to Sid and asked to do that, I said I actually cleared it with with a shadowy league figure to get you a, you know, some. It was a modest uh, sum of money, and she was like, okay, she didn't ask for it. And then when I ch- I circled back a couple you know weeks or a month later. And I was like, did you get paid on that? It was like, uh, they sent me like 14 pages of paperwork. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> so well, we got to maybe start doing some under the table payments. Yeah, red our, tape uh, of a massive corporation coming to get you. Um, <clears throat> Greg, good job, by the way. Before we get to Tom um, Curran um, on the Patriots, you pointed out in a recent tweet, 11 seasons in, the Around the NFL podcast had our Best month ever in September, over 3.6 million downloads. Thank you all. That is very cool. It is exciting. I would have rounded up to four. 
They wouldn't know. So. People don't know what they don't know. Yeah. But Greg's honesty, integrity was. I did think at of. The forefront. I actually could have rounded up three point seven. I was like, do I want to go to the hundredth decimal point here? But it just felt unnecessary. Uh, it is really special. I mean, and some people responded, you know, talking about their relationship with mm-hmm. the show, which is which is the most exciting thing about sending out information like that and like and and people well, the most exciting thing is how it crushes our enemies when they see it. well yeah, that's it that i do like the to throw most. the number out there just as a show of force that's nice you because know, for some reason they don't do that with podcasts as much like if a if a television shows up four percent they'll point it out it's like we're up to five hundred and thirty seven thousand. Right. but they don't really do that with the podcast so let's I do it pointed that out said about yeah. our own Scott, i think you need to get like yeah. you know and the nfl to retweet it we're the podcast bozos but we're doing this something. Is a good there. time to check the sink on these podcast bozos. And we couldn't do it without you guys. And I, I, I added a little uh, quote retweet on that. What do they call it now? Because they already a re-ex. A re-ex. No, they call it a repost. Well, I call it a re-ex. Completely. Like, why not lean into? It? You've rebranded. I'm not saying I agree with the rebranding, but like, why not lean into it? I added uh, little emojis of all the different countries. Uh, along with the USA that listen to this show, and then any that I missed, please add it in the replies, and then just. People all over the world have supported our show, and we're so thankful. So thank you, everybody. Um, now, to the business of today's show. Coming up later, we have the Island Games uh, and another London game, as we're a week away now um, from our... And thank you to the Shadowy League figures for sending us to uh, London every year. Uh, we'll be heading there uh, next week. Cannot wait. And we're going to talk about the London game and then our Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night affairs. But before that... It's back. <laughs> People have been waiting for this. That's what I've been hearing. Journalistically, we're at the top of our game when Flashpoint Focus is the focus of an episode. And, and this week, the Flashpoint Focus is on the New, Eng- New England Patriots. And who better uh, to break down what's going on on the Patriot way than the Pats insider for NBC Sports Boston and a friend of the show, the great Tom Curran, a legend in his own time. What's up, Tom? Tom? Tommy, my guys, thank you very much for having me. No one's calling me anymore to say, how's the matchup in the AFC championship? (laughs) What's it been like? Is he really? That's a good way. Yeah, no, it's it's a good way to get into it. What has it been like? Obviously, for uh, Patriots fans, it's been um, a come down to earth and a transition into this different era. But for people that have covered the team where it was, you know, a, a 15, 18 year run of dominance, what's it like being like the have nots once again, as a, as a <laughs> someone covering the sport? It's jarring. It really is jarring because, you know, you realize that when you're at training camp where you'd sit on the Hill and watch Randy Moss and Wes Welker and Tom Brady, and Rob Gronkowski and Darrell Revis and, you know, Teddy Bruschi, Mike Vrabel and, on the, all the way through Hightower and Edelman and guys who either were on their way to the Hall of Fame or were writing their names in the lore of the postseason. And now you're looking down at guys and you see a 54 or, you're, or you see a, a 24 and you're like, who is 24 now? <laughs> it's Josh Bledsoe. Okay. So it's, it is jarring because they are very much a have-not talent-wise, and I think the most disorienting thing about this team and what's hard for folks outside the region to fathom is when we watch a game, and Greg, I'm sure you still digest plenty of them, 
they are so unpatriotic. They are so mm. far from a well-coached team that's disciplined and situationally smart. I contend that they were the worst coached team in football last year. Wow. And when you look at some of the starts to games that they've had, in nine of their last 10 games, they've trailed by at least a touchdown. And obviously this year, 17-3, 16 to nothing, and 28-3. to in the first portion of games, they're not ready to play the football games when they begin. Mm, I, uh, yeah, I listened to, uh, the Tom Kearns Patriots talk podcast with the, what do you call him? The Senator Phil Perry on. And I the thought Senator it Phil Perry. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting last Sunday. I, I put it on when I was driving home from, from work and I was like, Oh, they've lost Tom. Um, cause, <laughs> cause you, cause I, and I've kind of been, you know, half cribbing your point that when everyone says like, Oh, it, well the Patriots, like they're, you know, they play a certain style where they're not going to make mistakes or they're, they're um, just going to try to limit turnovers and penalties. It's like, no, that, that ended the minute Tom Brady left. Like that hasn't been the case the whole time. That is not the Patriot way. They've been rather sloppy, but you've thought this team had potential. And, and I'm curious to see where you think they go from here. But after that performance uh, between Mac Jones and the, the coaching staff, it very much felt like, oh, they, They've lost. They've lost Tom. You you don't think this team is necessarily coming back to having like a, a, a fun season? And, and now it gets to a right. week where I'm sure they're just talking about what's going to happen with this team in the future, the, like the deep future. Yeah, like who lasts longer, Bill or Mac? Mm. Or do they both go at the same time? I mean, that's that's kind of the conversation, and it's actually a plausible one that we don't have to delve into quite yet. But just in the context, of why did they lose me? They lost me because I kept explaining away the penalties and the turnovers early in games and the lining up offsides or the false starts that get them into third and 15, which is a place they can't live because Bill's done such a horrendous job staffing the roster on offense. I mean, God bless him, but Trent Brown was a seventh round pick. He's had some great years. Um, Cole Strange was a reach as a number one overall, uh, as a 29th overall pick in the first round. David Andrews is undrafted. Michael Wynn is a sixth-round pick. They don't really have a right tackle. But I'm showing you these guys can play capably, but they don't invest in the offensive line. So if you don't invest in your offensive line, you better have an athlete, a quarterback, who can really create when the floodgates open. Well, they don't have that. Well, shoot, you better have an outside receiver or a tight end or a slot who you can throw to. Sorry, don't have those either. So you can look at all these mistakes – and say, well, if they fix those, they're going to, with a magic wand, start to, you know, do the meat and potatoes, run the ball, get in third and three, have their way with teams by being smarter. And they, they can't do that. They're dumber than most of the teams they play. Literally dumber. They are, <laughs> since they lost, 47-17 to 17 to the Bills in the 2021 playoffs. They were one and three going into that game down that stretch. They lose 47 to 17. They go eight and nine. And that's actually kind of a miracle. They won eight games. And now they're one and three. The only team that they beat with regularity is the Jets. I think there's like five or six of those are wins against the Jets. So I think it's like, I can't write the math. No, never mind. <laughs> but it's, it's 30 and 34 since they were eight and 0 in 2019. Mm. 
You uh, well, with a Super Bowl hey, Brady, title, title in there. Oh no, not 2019. My bad. Calm down, Greg. It's over. Okay. It's and by the way, Tom. The title. Yeah. As, no, as no, a, no, I was thinking 2018. As a Jets fan, Tom, you have no idea of all the frustrations I have as a Jets fan. The fact that we still can't beat the Patriots and they suck now. <laughs> That's almost worse than anything else. Um, I'll turn it over now to Mark Sessler. <laughs> well, fair point on the Jets. Uh, you mentioned in your show um, <clears throat> consequences that you know in the past. If a running back fumbled, like you don't see that guy for two weeks necessarily under Bill Belichick. But in today's world with all the mistakes, you said there's sort of a lack of consequences. And I I really question, like, there's been whispers, like the Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick relationship. Um, It's sort of heading towards this flashpoint. That's why we're sort of talking about this. And if you're Robert Kraft, is it the win-loss record? Or is it the Bill Belichick experience and where your faith is in this coach in 2023 while you've got Mike McDaniel and other young coaches like Kyle Shanahan just turning the league over into something new? We're watching this Patriots team sort of stuck in neutral. And so I'm wondering, like, what is it that Kraft, what what would compel Kraft to move on from outside of these seasons, the best coach in NFL history? The interesting thing is the evidence, Mark, is lying kind of in plain sight. Robert Kraft in 2020, right at, right after the 2021 free agency binge, said we can't keep drafting like we've done. We've done a poor job of the draft. You can't live like this. So that was a saber rattle. So calling Bill out of his drafts. And then 2021, excuse me, 2022, he said, look, we haven't won a playoff game in the last three seasons. And I'm not used to that. And I expect that we're going to compete for the playoffs now. And Bill puts Matt Patricia and Joe Judge in charge of the offense of a second-year quarterback who showed promise and basically ran him aground while he's on his rookie contract. I mean, you got to maximize that, the dollars and cents of it. And then we asked him in March, will Bill be allowed to chase Don Shula's record by fiat? You know, is he, he said, look, we have all the respect in the world for Bill. He's done an unbelievable job, but we've never been about individual goals here. We're about wins and losses. Mm. So he's done enough saber rattling to indicate he wants results. The question you pose, what does the team look like? How many wins does it take? To me, it's about quality control. And I said that all offseason. Kraft even kind of started to hedge his bets by saying we have a really tough schedule. He wants to see the team pointed in the correct direction, improving, cutting the crap with kickoff return touchdowns and pivotal games like you saw two times against the Bills last year. Stop digging 22 to nothing deficits like they did against the Bengals last year. Stop throwing the ball backwards over your head on the final play of a game, bless you, like they did against the Raiders last year. But instead, we've seen it exacerbated this year. And now you see the quarterback who Kraft had faith in going in the tank. So it is very much, Mark, coming to a head. Our cough, button, our cough button struggling as much as uh, the Patriots special teams, apparently. Well, you I, needed the sneeze button. I, I thought I hit it. I thought I hit it. You missed it, bro. Or maybe it was so no, loud it picked up on our mics. I think that's what happened. You know, I think it's – there's So some... that's where it is. That, that's yeah. really where it is. Huh. I mean, Robert has if, – if he – if the team gets to one and seven and they keep getting their doors blown off and Robert Kraft says we're making a change here this week – you guys can all say, well, it's not like this is out of the blue. I think that nationwide people think it's out of the blue because right. they're not paying close enough attention, which they can be blamed for. They got a lot going on. But um, here you can tell. And I think there's a bit of a, a wicked irony here that, you know, during that beautiful run uh, when it was Brady and Belichick, there was 
chicken and egg talk, like who's really responsible. And they were both responsible. But now I'm wondering where we are now. Is it the quarterback position that's a problem? Is it the head coach that's the problem? And will that be a decision at the end of the season? Does that buy Belichick another year? Does he get another quarterback? And maybe there's something more to it, Tom. And, and you tell me, like, is there an avenue here where let's say this does go to hell and they do move in a different direction of quarterback. Uh, but Kraft also wants changes in terms of how the roster is constructed. Is there any scenario where Bill would loosen the reins on control of the 53 but stay as the coach? Or is that really where the divorce heads uh, if things come down to it? Bill tries to intimate that he has deferred a great deal to macro. He tries to intimate that he allows his people around him to make the decisions. But, you know, from guys who've worked in this building, who've worked in personnel, it's not the case. Bill still is the overlord. And the people that he's hired have been reared under his guidance. So their answers are going to align with whatever Bill would generally say. So I don't know if divesting Bill of any offensive responsibility, period, you can't pick an offensive player, you're done with that, would work. But, I mean, that's what kind of needs to happen. It's the <laughs> offense that's killing them. Um, but Mac Jones, you have to allow him to finish his rookie contract. Hmm. He's not beyond salvaging. It was an embarrassment the other day. He melted down. He made high school quarterback level decisions. But in the first three games, especially the first two, aside from the idiotic turnovers, again, here I go with the caveats, he played good football against the Eagles. He played good football against the Dolphins. He just shot himself in the foot. This one, I've never seen a meltdown like that from him in his 36 games that he started for the team, but he did it. I think if Robert Kraft is asked who goes, or Bill says, we gotta get, we can't keep going with this. Kraft is gonna go, well, why? Well, he makes bad decisions. Well, that's because he's looking at a jailbreak every time he drops back. How come that is? Well, we don't have any offensive linemen. Why? Well, <laughs> so Kraft is very much aware of the landscape around Mac Jones and why Mac Jones is who he is right now. Um, very, very against and outspoken about the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge thing, but he deferred to Bill. And at the end, Robert Kraft does have, I told you so, power in that instance. Yeah. And I, he's kind of used it. Yeah, and I think he, there's always been an underlying ego tension between Robert Kraft and, and Belichick and, and Brady too, because of course they all have big egos. They were all part of the greatest, you know, run of success any NFL team ever has. It's totally natural and they, they've handled it well enough. But I think Robert Kraft is like thinking about the hall of fame and he's thinking about his legacy. And that's why I said coming into the season, I was like, I think they got to win. I, I, I think, I don't know if Belichick can survive a, a six and 11 type of season here. Cause I think Kraft will want to start thinking about his, his legacy. I do want to hit you on just cause we had news today and it, and it speaks to what you're talking about, which is JC Jackson coming into the Patriots and which, which looks like a nice trade for the Patriots on paper. You, you're basically getting him for free. It's a late round swap. You're not paying him anything, but he's replacing Christian Gonzalez. And I remember something you said, it was in the middle of training camp and you said, I think on your podcast that Christian Gonzalez might be the best player on the team. Which I was like, that is a crazy statement. He hasn't even played in the preseason. But then you sort of explained it. And first of all, you watch him in the first three games. He might have been the best player on the team. But the way you explained it just highlights how talent poor this team is. Because you were looking at him, you were like, well, here's a physically dominant, really smooth athlete who's really good at his 
craft and position. Mm-hmm. And they don't actually have anyone else on the roster that would qualify for that. You could say Trent Brown. I mean, the fact that Trent Brown might be the best player on their roster, Matthew Judon would, would be another candidate, but it's, it's freaking crazy. A first round rookie is the best player on their roster and that they're having to replace him with Mark, Casey give Greg Jackson. a hug. He's yeah. getting emotional. I, over I am concerned about Greg. He is. He's, he's inflamed. <laughs> he is. He's inflamed. Like, look at, look at the best players. Kyle Duggar, nice player. He's not a pro bowler. Matt Judon, really good player. He's a top 10, maybe top seven edge rusher. Maybe. 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 Um, Hunter Henry, okay, he's top dozen tight ends. Ramondre Stevenson, he's a top 10 back. Maybe. But I, not even. I, well, he's had a tough start. But but that's that's what we're looking at. Hey, where's the talent? Well, these are the guys. Everybody has – everybody's second best guy, at least among good teams, is as good as their best guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really tough. But, you know, the Mac Jones and the, and the, the wrestling match that I wanted to, to lob to you guys is with Kraft's legacy – what will be damaging to his legacy or could be painful to his legacy is Robert Kraft, whose Patriots team suffered a severe decline after Tom Brady left and he fired Bill Belichick in 2023. And the team went into a funk and was a three and 14 team for several years. Mm. And he has that on his head. He not only allowed, and Brady was the one who believed this, Bill was just being Bill when Bill was just being Bill and moving on from Brady. Brady expected Robert Kraft to intervene. Robert Kraft said it's Bill's decision. That's why, in general, and I think it's all passed now, but Brady was more pissed at Kraft than he was at Bill. Mm. But Robert's mad at that still, (laughs) taking the heat for that. And now if he takes Bill out behind the woodshed, old Yellersum, then... (laughs) He's good. Now he's fired. He's, he let the best yeah, quarterback go, and then he fired the greatest coach. No easy answers. Yeah, uh, I, you are one of the you know less than one percent of humans on earth that have spent like hundreds of hours with Belichick in these press conferences. We all nationally think we know who he is left and right, and like he's always grumpy. But do you sense um, with all of this happening over the last couple of years, and they, you know whether he hears it or not, this Brady versus Belichick thing, which gets a little tired, but still it's Belichick thinking about his pride and his own legacy. Like in these pressers, um, I thought you had an interesting comment that he's gotten to a place now where maybe he was always doing this. Like he doesn't like answering the question, obviously. Like Mike Reese, I thought the other day, had an excellent follow-up to the Mac Jones, why he sat, then why don't you sit so in Jude on right? And it was just so like, there's, it wasn't even a pregnant or a dramatic pause by Belichick. It was like a 10-second silence where it's like, what happened to Bill in that period? But then he kind of starts spinning things in his own way. Like, is Belichick getting testier? More grunt? Is he getting grumpier? Um, less communicative? Can you feel the heat? Or is that is he yes. just, Bill is Bill? Nope, he's less communicative. I think he feels under siege. I don't blame him. There's probably aside from aside from us, aside from the fan base, um, I bet he's more tortured that he can't figure it out, that he can't get the team to play the way he wants to. I don't think he's quite as look, he drafts generally players from the same programs frequently. His free agent signings are unimaginative and often are guys that played good against his team. He's just not the same worker that he was previously, nor does he have the same network of young coaches around him that he did in the 2000s. All these guys rising up at once. He's got guys who came up in in the same sphere as him. It's a hard place to work. So guys have short money, long hours, and kind of a humorless atmosphere to work in. 
So it's not a fun place to be. So he doesn't have a great, experienced, huge coaching staff. How is Bill, though, was the question. He's under siege. And there was an interesting comment. Remember this, Greg, you'll remember this. A woman asked something about after the 2019 playoff loss where they lost to Tennessee. A woman asked a benign question, not a great question for Bill, but after the loss, what do you have to say to the fans? I mean, they've been with you through thick and thin. And Bill looks at her, cuts her off and says, I mean, I'll do respect. I don't think there's been a lot of thin around here. (laughs) And I, that is very much, I think, his mindset whether it's me who used to have a great, ah, hey, Bill, we're having a good time. And now I'm kind of a dink as far as he's concerned, probably. <laughs> he probably looks at me and goes, you know what? You got a nice life right now because you covered the Patriots while I was here. Mm. And look at you. Mm. You know, look at you now. You had it pretty good. I made it pretty good for you, didn't I? And look at you, you weasel. <laughs> so I think that there's a lot of that. Outwardly, he's bitter that he delivered so much to this region. And now we're all saying, I mean, on the hot seat. Yeah. It's, and and that, I think that's fair too. Like multiple things can be true. You are a dink. Multiple but... things can be true. You're going to try and get rid of me, but here's the interesting thing. And I have felt bad about talking about Bill's hot seat, but whether it was Logan Mankins or Richard Seymour or Tom Brady, or you name it, Bill had no problem when those players had m- outlived what he considered to be their expiration date saying, mm, sorry, yeah. we got we can't keep on with this. Yep, right. And so it's weird that I feel badly and he talking was, about it with Bill. And Tom, he was famous for getting a guy getting rid of a guy a year or two too soon before it was way past the expiration date. And maybe now Kraft is going to do the same to him before we say goodbye. And by the way, check out the Patriots talk podcast, check out Tom on NBC where he's got hot takes and he uses McCorkle and uh, it, it's all fun. <laughs> Uh, circling back to what you said, you lobbed it to us, the, the legacy of it all. From my perspective, and I'm curious what you guys think, that I think Kraft's legacy is secured. Six rings, nine nine conference titles. Yes, it got a little sloppy in the back end. Even Belichick, you could say his legacy is a little bit tarnished no. at this point. But No one cares about Vince Lombardi's Washington days, okay, you know down. what I mean? What I'm saying is I think he's okay, too. I think the person who really came out on top here, Tom, is Brady. I think Brady is the ultimate winner of the way this all played out. I think everyone else is going to go to the Hall Hall of Fame, but it was Brady who left, and then the Patriots dynasty crumbled with him not there. That's where I come down. I love Tom Brady. And he's such a nice guy, legitimately, and I know that after 23 years of watching him, we see his eccentricities and wonder if he's genuine. I do believe he's a genuine guy. He's such a nice guy that I bet he feels so friggin' bad for Belichick. Mm. I bet he does. He does not take any pleasure in it. Because he's a he is a, a card carrying good fella, and he gets it out of his system that he was pissed, I think, and he doesn't want to see Belichick go down in flames. I, I mean, I don't really either. Who does? I mean, I, some people do, but Dan does. Dan does. Ugly. This guy does. Yeah, well, that's do. fine. I get it. Yeah, you okay. do. It's sports. He's gotten it, his comeuppance, but he's had a a great run. Um, Tom, thank you, sir. You are, if you, well, it's Bill that called you a dink. I don't think you're a dink. Well, he, but, didn't, call, he didn't call him a dink. Well, you he thinks he might him find him to be agree. a dink. We are dinks. So maybe if you are a dink and Bill is right, that's why we get on so well. Just four dinks chopping it up. <laughs> chopping up the Four the dinks. <laughs> hey, maybe four we'll do a spinoff pod. Four dinks. All right. Thank Thanks, you, Tom. Thank you.
Thank you, guys. Great talking to you. All right. Love Tom Curran. He is the man. And again, that's why in a lot of ways, Mark, um, this is the crown jewel segment of around the NFL. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the flashpoint focus, because it's not just it's not just about talking about the NFL and what's happening now. It's letting people know what's what's ahead. Yeah, I mean, our inaugural inaugural episode um, came out of a combine think tank where there was a lot of whispers around, at that time, Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. It's like, how would you even suggest they'd move on from him back then? Then, like a week Mm. later, it was a national storyline. We dug in on the Colts. About a week later, national storyline going into bizarre areas. Um, People are talking about this. There's some surmising, except I think he went deeper with us. And a a week from now, everyone will be talking about this. And this has happened so many times over the past 10 or so years. Greg didn't see it. And I'm like, Greg, you, you got to come, come on this journey with us. Come. And he's like, no, pushing back, pushing back. And now Last where are we wait, at? What you're trying to bring this uh, old canard back? This was when we <laughs> brought the showman scenario in that you just have to have. Uh, it does all connect because uh, as he was talking about Tom yes. Brady being such a good fella, I was thinking he's getting tested with that because uh, a certain Baker Mayfield, the first flashpoint focus mm. uh, subject is out playing uh, what Tom Brady was doing in 2022. Mm. It's kind of interesting. For four games. That doesn't feel like a national storyline. For four games. That's not a national (laughs) storyline, but for for four games. And it's great. That is. Great start. It's crazy the Patriots are so underground that, like, trading for J.C. Jackson, who got the most, you know, guaranteed money of any free agent just a year and a half ago, it just feels like, ah, eh, that's a nothing burger. Yeah, but that's to his point, point that he Bill's point. just bringing back one of his guys. Right, right. Exactly. Bearing, where's the imagination? Where's the creativity? It doesn't exist. Uh, pretty wild, pretty wild. And um, Mark was co-executive producer of that segment. Yeah. Let's go get a drink. Andy. Yeah, it's another victory. I mean, I don't get a producer credit for texting Tom, my longtime relationship with Tom. I used to work with him back in the day. You, I like. I think if you didn't mention that publicly, but you just kind of did it quietly and humbly behind the I, scenes, we would want well, to give no, you that title. Well, no, but you, like, you know. not so humbly, just gave yourself. Um, well, no, this is I, a tri- you know what I respect. Executive producer. I respect that you've joined credits. us now. Yeah. And if you want, yeah. if you want a credit, production credit, Mark and I would be happy to have More a conversation. Happy. Yeah, yeah. You can't verbally spar with us, but then also want the title. So. And while taking credit for securing the guests, there's a lot happening. Well, here, that's Greg. where the producer credit comes from. Yeah, securing the game. Well, it's the the idea, the original idea conceived by Mark and I. What's the idea? Created by. by. What's the idea? Talk about a topic? (laughs) See, this is what I'm talking about. (laughs) I know. Well, it's a difficult. It's it's vision over visibility. And that's it was never just a topic. It's about what people aren't talking about yet. We're going to take massive strays for the rest of this show after what we've just (laughs) tried to do to Greg. I know. I couldn't do that to Mark uh, on haircut day. He's looking good. Oh, yeah. I like it. Pivot. I like well, so this is this is London the, haircut. Uh, Sessler, give him his guitar. This is Sessler 2.0. This uh, is not a 2.0. I love it because you got the the vicious V, black T, right. You got Harley, Levi, yeah. And now you got the cut. You're so fresh, you're ready for London. Yeah, friend. I needed a haircut for London. My hair was turning into a disaster, but it was more like um, looking good. This is a little birthday boy uh, haircut. Ooh, now you either come in like to our because I've like literally my entire wardrobe is in that locker room downstairs. Either mm. I go through the shenanigans of changing into another shirt, and I was like, no, mm. not doing that today. This is this is your look now. This is the We're plan. In. I resent two point Like I was like, there's many you know changes throughout life. I would say I didn't go from a child's I'm, clothing to this, but a sartorially. There's a lot of everybody gets self-conscious in the studio about it. Okay, <laughs> I'm saying if you look at, and we've all evolved in different ways. If you look at what Mark was wearing 
2016 on the show. Yeah. Flashpoint. This could be a flashpoint focus. Yeah. I mean, Mark, if we wanted to. In the offseason, Mark's fast. You look great. I, I, uh, you know, wear this almost every day. So it's like an action figure type scenario. But thank you. If you Meanwhile, I'm going back to. I think Greg has been to Greg, a bigger fashion change to Greg over the last point, five years. Point five, though. I believe this is the oldest T-shirt I own. It's a, a Daisuke Manazaka shirt from about 2000. And <laughs> Daisuke. Eight? I don't know. When did he pop over? I think he got there around 06 and was there maybe till 10 or so in that zone. Nobody cares. <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. And when we get back, we will hit the previews of the Island Games ahead of week five. Mm. Stay right there. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, welcome back. And yes, a week from tomorrow, speaking of uh, London and our connection with the great fans of the uh, England, the United Kingdom, and surrounding territories, we'll be at the Shaw Theater in London next Thursday for our latest live show. Um, and uh, that will be a great old time. Love, a gay old time. doing those. All right, let's get to it. Starting with Thursday night football as we dig into week five. Here we go. Man, we're at the quarter pole, guys. It's it is nice. Murky well, now. Before all yeah. the bye weeks start messing up with, like, you know, the, the stats. Like, now, oh, the leader in passing yards. Yeah, but this guy only played four games. You know, so I, I like mm. the quarter pole. A good time to check in. It's the beginning of the bye week. Browns, Chargers, Seahawks, and Bucks are off. Um, let's start with Thursday night, though, where the Chicago Bears still looking for that first win after a just, mm. oh, brutal. 
brutal loss to the Broncos, a game they were up 28-7 in their building, and Hope had finally infiltrated Soldier Field, only to be snuffed out by uh, poor play down the stretch and some really suspect coaching decisions and execution. Blurg. Uh, now they head to Landover to face the Commanders. And Mark Sessler, let's start with the Commanders here because I checked that game out this morning before I came in. And there are a lot of things I liked about the Commanders, even though they fell short uh, in Philly in overtime. I love how you had the young quarterback, Sam Howell, uh, throwing four interceptions in a blowout the previous week. And what do they do? What does Riverboat Ron and company do? They come out that first drive, and he's throwing right off the bat. Two yeah. passes connecting with Terry. They score a touchdown on the first possession. Then the second possession. And then they go kind of punch for punch with the defending conference champions. So you're feeling good about this team and, and, and their progress moving forward. This seems like, with new ownership, in prime time, against a franchise in the wilderness, Bears in the wilderness, a great setup for a celebration for the commanders. Mm. That's uh, it's so interesting because one of my notes right here was this is one of those island TNF games that will turn into a celebration of a midland home team. I'm not calling them midland, but they're they're just part of the mix that looks like a world beater because you come out of these TNF games, it's a separate environment than Sunday where it'd be lost in a fog. And I think Washington has all the pieces to absolutely take care of business in this game. Uh, I I watched that Eagles showdown too and it, they open with that 14 play 75 yard drive and I think it kind of showed different pieces of their offense who they are and that with Sam Howell you're going to live with the sacks you're going to live with the mistakes for now because of the upside and this commander's defensive line on the flip side is going against Chicago's worst ranked run blocking unit uh -oh. that sounds like chaos for a team that has not dealt with duress at well at all and and Howell is facing Chicago's PFF ranked them as the worst ranked pass rush and it shows they don't have the horses there on that part of the, on that side of the field. So if you can get a safe howl, and I think you can run on on this team and keep it kind of exactly what you want. These Thursday night games, it's like you go do what you do well as a core, and then you look at the, like Washington's defensive line: Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Chase Young. I kind of just love this whole formula for, as you said, a celebration for Washington after 20 plus years as a mess. I uh, I was surprised early on. I I peeked at the. The line in this game, it's Washington now uh, by five and a half. It, it was over the lock zone even, seven or eight. Which I'm seeing it's six here. Which, which is too yeah. much too much respect, I think. To me, Chicago last week at least had a really encouraging offensive performance. And Washington's got to look at this. And you mentioned the roster they have on defense. They've built up this defense as the core of their team and have to look at last week as a missed opportunity because they got an A game out of Howell. I mean, that was as good as you could hope for against Philadelphia. They're moving the ball up and down the field. He's playing clutch. He put up over 30 points against the Eagles defense. You want to get out of it with no turnovers. You want to get out of there with a win, but the defense uh, let them down. I, I don't think Sam Howell lets them down though this week. Like, look right now, he's probably the best quarterback from his draft class. I guess 49ers fans would, would push back pretty hard on that with Brock Purdy, but it's one of those well, two I guys. Would, I would push e back. But either yeah. the last guy in the draft or a fifth-round pick. Uh, in terms Wait, you think that Howell has been better than Purdy so far? I know he's in a much better situation. Probably. No, he needs to play more to know, but um, he did things in that game, certainly, that you haven't seen Purdy do. It's tough to take okay. Purdy, Purdy out of that Mark, environment. Mark, you hear that disrespect? I, I know he's I, your guy. No, I, totally, I totally disagree, but like I do not disagree that Sam Howell's been a su nice surprise. Yeah, I think we've seen enough to know that like 
he's not a fluke. Now his, his ups and downs might be a little crazy. His numbers kind of speak for it. In, in QBR, they have rushing value. Mm. Quietly, Sam Howell is the fourth ranked quarterback in terms of rushing value. He's brought a lot in terms of his scrambling. He needs to get down some more. I mean, he'll take some big hits. He's dead last in sacks in terms of sack value, like taking negative plays. So that mm. kills him. And then he's in the middle of the pack in terms of his passing, which makes sense because there's a lot of great passes and there's some every like seven throw is like four feet over the guy's head. But it he to me is what you thought Baker Mayfield could be when, when he was a young player, except he's a little more physically talented. That's why it's so crazy. I was talking about uh, with this with someone in the league this week. Actually, it's like it's really crazy that Sam Howell was a fifth round pick because he's very talented. A lot of people it, said that on draft day. Right. Yeah, but there this, was a lot of surprise. Not, not that he wasn't no, like a first-round yeah. pick, but that he kept falling between two and four. Yeah. Because um, he gives his wide receivers a chance. That's one thing you can't measure in college. Like, these wide receivers are good, and he's given Terry and Jahan Dotson and Samuel a chance to make plays. He's not afraid. There, It's a game of inches, and uh, he throws a beautiful ball in overtime. Uh, I think it was McLaurin, was it, who got – one foot down, and then a second foot comes down, I believe, on the hand of the DB, and then maybe he's out of bounds. It seemed like he might have even been in and gotten the second foot, and even though he stepped on the hand of the opponent, they rule it uh, out of bounds, which leads to the punt, which leads to the game-winning field goal for Philly. So it was that close to Hal making a money throw to potentially win that game. I, he was called sneaky athletic about four times uh, in that telecast. He's athletic. He moves. He, Is he, any NFL player sneaky athletic? Josh Dobbs. If if Josh Dobbs... Well, no, but I mean, like, to get to the no, NFL, but, you're re- the requisite right. for athleticism is already higher than 98% of the earth. Jo- uh, yes. Josh Dobbs stuck up on me, where it's like, oh, if he was white, he would be called, you know, feisty and sneaky athletic, and I was like, wow, he really is. Uh, He's got moxie. Yeah, like, Howell is built like Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he, he'll surprise you, I guess. But um, I think he's going to – he's never going to be boring, and I think that's a good thing. I like the way not just the game plan early on um, last week. I also like the way Howell looked early on. He didn't look gun-shy. He's not one of those rookie quarterbacks who get uh, jarred the week before and then comes back and is gun-shy. And he's going to do it every week the, on their second drive. He threw enough for grabs on first and goal, which you just cannot do. Um, he's going to make mistakes, but he's going to be fun to watch. So that that's good. And they're going to and we'll see what they do. They should take care of business in this game. The Bears side. Yeah. Where do you where do you go uh, after last week? The the positives are obvious that Justin Fields look way more comfortable. They move the ball at will in the first half of that game uh, before getting bogged down. And Iberflus with a dreadful. We don't need to talk about that again, but dreadful decision not to kick the field goal when that team really needed a chance to close out a win there, and, and they didn't even get that chance. So now I want to see how Fields, if he could string together another good game. The game ended poorly. He took a grounding penalty in the last minute, then the INT on third down to close out that game. Let's see if good Justin Fields is back for another week. I mean, I think it's like the important that they got DJ Moore involved last week. He had nine targets, eight receptions, 131 yards. Yeah. Before that, he had been targeted on about 17% of routes in these terrible earlier three weeks, which was the lowest of his career. It's like the guy that you were kind of linking to Fields all offseason is what would unlock Justin Fields through the air. It's not happened. 
I don't get what Luke Getzey's doing on some level, too. It's like, we've got Justin Fields. What makes him special? What made him special last year? It's like, no one's saying his passing. Like, he can do it to some degree. He's got to grow. But it was him on the ground. He has 43 fewer rushing yards per game than last year. Uh, they have only had eight design runs for him this entire season. Luke Getzey has him doing boot action left and right all over the place. And it's not working. And he's not, well, he's not better protected than he was a year ago. Right. I think part of it is they can't run block. And that's why I'm worried. Like, Fields can play well, like last week. And... And I know he made some mistakes at the end of the game, but he played well, more than well enough to win. And everything else will fall apart, whether it's his offensive line. And that's a tough matchup. I think yep. Chase Young has shown up well so far this season. It's been a kind of a quiet story that since he's come back, he's looked a little more like the rookie Chase Young, uh, which is which is nice. But when you have this bad of an offensive line and this bad of a defense, e- even if Justin Fields was playing at a much higher level, what are you going to do? I have a stat here. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe this stat. Matt Eberflus, defensive coach, Chicago Bears. I know they're short in the secondary, so and they're still short. Jalen Johnson's out. I think Eddie Jackson's not going to play in this game. They have given up at least 25 points mm. in 14 straight games. Stop. Wow. That's never happened. It, I was like, that can't have ever happened. How many wins in that, in that window? <laughs> well, I think they've lost 13 or 14 straight. Two wins, maybe tops. Uh, I think One. they ended last season with about a 10-game losing yeah, streak. Yeah, I, so. I think they've lost. To be fair, to games. be fair, the one thing that to be fair to Iberflus, like it's like, they, Can you check that out? No, I'm not going to be fair. What well, is no, there to no, be fair about? But mid mid seed, the one thing is like, you are you a defensive coach that came in with the guys to you can do your system with? It's like they they added, but that's where they've put all their draft picks and all their free agency capital too. They've they, spent they all not, this. They did not add for a, a, like a, key, a super key free agent on the defensive line until the very end of the offseason. It's like I like, yeah, but I, they they spent so much money. They on, trade away Roquan on Smith. I'm not look at. I think Eberflus is probably gone in less than a month, and no, he's not done. What they're he's spending special. more at linebacker than almost any team in the league, Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. They they drop second round picks on these defensive tackles this year. They spent all their first three picks on guys in the secondary last year. They've actually spent more on their defense. I know it hasn't been on the defensive line, but they ended up doing it with Ngakwe too. I'm just saying with no just about rush. any team in they the league. no pass rush and you right. can't affect the quarterback. They're like in the bottom of the league of that. And like Leverflus has, has no, there's, he's not been able to show what he's special at, but he may not be special at anything. I love, I love the show when you guys don't agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I just mean, though, I think their whole point, like, I think Eberflus and Ryan Poles, their whole point has been, like, let's make Eberflus look better. Let's spend so much on your defense, and you're the worst defense in the league. Yeah, I almost thought about locking this, but I stay away from Thursdays. And it's, yeah, kind of a mirror game as well. It was interesting. This is the bear. It was over seven for a minute. All right, let's uh, head to London with the second of three games in the uh, annual London series. Again, we'll be there next week. Uh, for Titans and come on, Ravens. man, that's a Ravens. That's a great game. We're going to see Lamar live. What do you yeah, mean? That's excited. on me. I mean, yeah, you got to know throwing it to us. I throw it to you to, to build the excitement. I knew it. <laughs> Clearly, I knew it. Uh, Jaguars v Bills. Now this, uh, and I know the Jags have been underwhelming so far this year, but this is one of the better London matchups I can I can remember. This is a Jacksonville team that made it to the second round of the playoffs last year. The Bills also made it to the second round. So these are two teams that have big aspirations. Uh, three and one Bills, uh, Greggy here, who are playing better than pretty much everyone in the AFC and maybe outside of San Francisco, uh, the best team in football since mm. week one. Uh, sets up well for them, but this is a Jacksonville, even though it's a Bills home game technically, it's a Jacksonville. It's on their turf. Does that matter at all in this? 
I think the fact that they've played so many games there and that they've been there for the extra week can't hurt. Right? No, right. To adapt. Uh, yeah. And they, they do have fans. Stay, yeah. They will have We a... know how we feel three days after getting there. You're, you're lost in space. So. <laughs> right. The Jags uh, really do have a nice fan base there. So they'll have more support than the Bills. But the Bills, I'm sure, will have plenty because they, they do everywhere. And th- those games kind of feel like a like a Super Bowl anyways. Like just Everyone's just loving football. Everyone's loving that Josh Allen's in this game. I mean, we'll talk with Nick Shook a little later this week. Hell yeah. A little bonus up, everybody. Josh Allen, I mean, he might be my QB1 right now through four four games. I know the first game was rough, but part of that is because he's got a good offensive line now. And I, to me, that's right there. I, I mentioned C.J. Stroud to me is one of the big stories this season. I think one of the big stories this season is that Sean McDermott has the best offensive line mm-hmm. probably he's ever had in Buffalo and that the best O-line, D-line combo the Bills maybe have ever had. They've had some good D-lines over the years, but this one's playing really well, and they're going to potentially add Von Miller in this game, Mark. And and even if they don't, I think they have big advantages against the Jags up front on both sides. So now now you're looking at, wow, a Bills team that can steamroll you a little bit, that can protect Allen and get after the quarterback. That's dangerous. Just to remember back to what they were when they had Von Miller, the way they wrecked the Super Bowl champion Rams in the opener, and then to lose them, I think the whole Bills team journey in general last year started to go a little south. Von Miller coming back to this would be incredible, but I, like without him, this defense and what they did to Miami and rewatching that game, uh, it's just that schematically, I think McDermott's Miami. like, oh, can he handle being head coach and call the defense? No issues. Um, the one little part of their defense that would concern me a little bit and where Trevor Lawrence, they've not, they've been they're like 26 in explosive plays. And they kind of looked like it. It's not really Trevor Lawrence's fault. There have been a lot of drops. There have been some weird stuff in the red zone. I think Lawrence has looked really good. But the Bills were down to their last two outside corners last week. They've lost Tredavious White. So there's an opportunity to make plays, I think, for Jacksonville. But that said, like you've got to find a way to unsteamroll a stream, steamrolling offense that can run the ball. They're more balanced than ever. You're getting the best version of Josh Allen. After that week one, where I think the talking point was like, who is this guy at this point? Post Brian Dable, who is he? And we're like, he's him now. So unsteamroll, stop the steamroll. Yeah, you'd have to like find a way to unsteam it. it. Uh, yes, the, you mentioned it, Greg. The offensive line they added, uh, they redid the interior of the line with two new guards. Uh, they drafted the tight end, and they're playing a lot of two tight end sets. They got two running backs that are really playing um, well right now, and in and they also have um, Latavius Murray, Damian Harris. They're kind of they kind of break your back a little bit. They're they're kind of a mean team to face on offense. And when you play Josh Allen playing at this level, Stefan Diggs playing at this level, I just feel like this is a team right now where the steamroller is not going to be stopped. And I, I would not be surprised if this is a winning streak that continues because you just get the feeling they're, they've reached a, a level of comfort and, and they found a place here on both sides of the ball where I think they're going to eat and start to – even run away from, uh, with this. Isn't division. it interesting that, like, in the offseason, what we were kind of looking at the way their draft and their free agency, it's like, oh, they lack a key weapon or they're lacking weapons in general. And then it's like, they're the team that might be the window closing a little bit. Now mm. we're four weeks we're, in. It's like they lay was always the class silly, of the AFC. That was always silly. It was not silly. It was because their best players are young. That's why it was silly. But changes occur, Greg, and, and there was frustration around the organization. And it's not everything's fixed, by the way. It's week four. Part right. of the reason why there's tension in the, this idea is, like, all this is great. And they can win 13, 14 games, but this core needs to get over the hump in the playoffs. Sure, that, but in terms I'm of window saying. closing, I'm with Joe Burrow saying the window is while I'm here. 
and and especially because the front office is good. But I'm not talking about right. I'm not talking about the quarterbacks window. I'm talking about the the group as the, the greater group that's been the nucleus that's been contending. There, like there was a period, and it's you know this stuff maybe is overhyped in in this age. But like where Stefan Diggs, people were like, what's going on with Stefan Diggs? Like there's something going on with him and Josh Allen. It feels like there's a lot of pressure. Their butts are tight. And, like, that can lead to something and negative. Right. And let's here they are. They kind of yeah. brush that all away. That's a great matchup in this game. Diggs has been playing out of his mind. I mean, that was a awesome. dominant performance. But part of it is coaches and front office, and that's why I think the window is wide open because the, the players will all change quite a bit. I know Micah Hyde's been there, and he's he's a, a guy that they build a defense around. Poyer won't be there forever. But, like, when guys leave, like a Tremaine Edmonds who got huge money from the Bears, they replace him with, Terrell Bernard and like you fit him in. It's like is Terrell yeah, Bernard better right. than Matt than Tremaine Edmonds because he's been balling out, and that's why uh, I'm with you. I think the steamroll keeps steaming. I have not been big on this Jags team. I think they're worse than their two and two record has shown. That's why I'm locking up the Bills. A you lot. son of a gun! You sandbag and son of a. You can lock the Bills. Oh yeah, you sure can because I'm doing it too. Uh, well, yes. Well, it feels unoriginal, like I've been squeezed out, but I don't really give an F. I'm locking them up too. I've got to win. I'm down. I got to start at 0 and 2. I don't. I'm taking no prisoners the rest of the season. I might, for show's sake, I might bounce out of this one tomorrow. On the I podcast. would love if you did. Tune yeah. in for the preview. Yeah, I might. Or if do we it all, once I look at other games. That is. I don't that is so. a delicious result. If both of you so. move on. What off if we? It. What if we bounce out and then the Jags upset the Bills? How? How would that go? For I'd you? be <laughs> agitated because you know, like I love the London game when I'm America, but that's. You're starting to track That's a football tough one. at 6, 6 in the morning. So tough if I've already lost my lock by, you know, 9 a.m., it's going to be a long Sunday. The Bills scored on 8 of 11 drives against Miami, including two kneel downs uh, that ended drives uh, or Miami. ended halves. Um, and then their defense shut down, essentially, Miami in the last two, three quarters of that game. So I'm feeling very good about that. Jacksonville's clock. capable of playing better, but through four games, they've been quite mediocre. Like a like a like the twentieth best team in the league. They need some serious jet lag on their side, and they could get it. That I am not looking. That's the one thing that I dread. Flying from L.A. to London is rough. 13, uh, 13 yeah. hours or so. We're gonna, but we're gonna soldier through. And we're doing a live show less than twenty four hours after we land. <laughs> we'll see. It'll be fun. See how it goes. Sunday night football. Oh, it could be a potential game of the year. Uh, situation: The Dallas Cowboys three and one. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers undefeated, and they have been a steamroller um, as well as have the Cowboys, uh, other than a week three hiccup against Arizona. So this is a, a, a wonderful matchup. We got a we got the Niners at home, which you gotta you gotta keep that in mind. Uh, they're laying four points here against Dallas. That sounds about right to me, um, Mark. We know your stance on the Cowboys. Uh, personal hell is them advancing to the Super Bowl. Well, all right, but I I've done some thinking on that. But okay, okay. let's go. I'm going to throw it to you. I, do you see this as a one-sided game? Do you think Dallas not at shows all. up? Absolutely, here? I do. I think they absolutely show up. I, I guess what I'm looking at when I look at their schedule is like a period of utter domination. You take you take the two disappointing New York teams. You win by a combined score of seventy to ten. You beat the Patriots 38-3. to These teams had no chance against the Dallas Cowboys on either side of the ball. That's 75% of this season. So I don't disvalue that. Um, I do wonder, like in general, when I think about what the Niners can do well with Christian McCaffrey, who's on pace right now to break the NFL record for scrimmage yards um, and has looked fantastic and unstoppable. 
Why did you allow, how did you allow 222 yards to the Arizona Cardinals? I can call it an aberration, but I wonder if someone like Kyle Shanahan can look at that tape and other little chinks in the armor over the course of four games and attack it. I certainly think he can. I think it's, what I think about Mm. the Niners right now, we talk about a steamroll, is like, they don't, like you said on Sunday's show, they're not putting their foot on the gas to win these games the way they're winning them. Their offense almost, and it's not effortless, that's ridiculous to say that, but it's like, if one guy like Debo had six yards last game, takes a bit of a nap, or he's not in full health, suddenly Brandon Ayuk blooms into like an unstoppable power. Christian McCaffrey's an unstoppable power. I just wonder with the Cowboys' defense, because it's like, can you stop all this? No one else has been able to. Brock Purdy, we just talked about him, who went 20 for 21 last year. Brock Purdy has the highest quarterback passer rating in the league since he st- uh, since week 14 last year when he took over, and the Niners lead the league in scoring. There hasn't been a hiccup on the Niners' side. That's that's Not a massive matchup. hiccup. In right. little quarter, drive to drive, sure, we can nitpick, but Brock Purdy has been almost perfect. No. Get- some of that scheduling, too, though. I mean, this is the first... Well, some is scheduling for the Cowboys, too, to play the Giants. That's what I mean. This is the first real deal test for both teams, and that's fine. That's what yeah. makes it such yeah. a good... And it's interesting. Game. The one game where Purdy didn't look so hot was the Thursday night against the Giants, and the Giants' pass rush uh, kind of was in his face a lot, and he threw some balls up for grabs. I think, Greg, this this matchup in a lot of ways, and I hope and it would be good to get uh, an update uh, if we can on Micah Parsons. Is he practicing? Is he, is he okay? He was it, in and out of the lineup last week. M- McCarthy indicated he didn't think it was too serious. Yeah, so Micah Parsons and uh, that Dallas pass rush making Purdy uncomfortable. And and part of the reason why I think, and sometimes I think, uh, Mark, it gets on your radar a little bit, and I see where you're at, um, that people don't give Purdy enough credit because it seems he's in such a great position uh, and the offense is drawn up so well and he has so many weapons around him that he's doing a great job distributing rather than being a playmaker or an actual like big talented quarterback, which doesn't really matter because scoring is scoring and moving the ball is moving the ball. But it's going to be great and interesting, Greg, to see Purdy um, specifically against a top flight defense. And I know without Trayvon Diggs there, the Dallas is a little less, but Bland has stepped in well in the back end. Seeing Purdy against this Dallas defense, and specifically Micah Parsons, is going to be really interesting. Yeah, it'll be awesome. And seeing, like, their right tackle, Colton McKivitz, has not been great. You know, we'll see. Like, maybe he does give up uh, a lot of pressure to this Dallas. I think you have to, because to your point about looking at the the Cowboys-Cardinals tape, I think what the Cardinals did really well is put uh, a bullseye on Leighton Van Der Elst. Van Der Esch and, and Damone Clark, who are their linebackers. Like that's the weakness of that team. And when you think about what Kyle Shanahan has done better than anyone in the NFL over the last few years, it's putting a circle on those linebackers on either running downs where you surprisingly pass, or it's a play action pass or whatever it is. It's like, Hey, you actually need to have six defensive backs out there, or we're going to roast those guys and he can create those mismatches, whether it's against Kittle or against Debo. And I think it's a great coaching matchup because I think this is why Mike McCarthy wanted to get rid of Kellen Moore, is this game. And is, the way the last two seasons end against this I mean. team. Yep. That's what I mean. Yep. It, literally this game, that their running game wasn't ready for it, and the passing game certainly wasn't ready to make up for it. And I think, I think if you look at the Cowboys this year, and schedule is such a big part of it, but I think they've been able to block their in their run game pretty well. And they, they've had some injuries on the offensive line, but they're mostly healthy there now. 
And I think they're going to try to run. They have run. They've run well. It's been a little different. Like McCarthy's definitely put his scheme into it. And I think they're going to want to try to control the game that way too. And I think that's a good way to attack the 49ers defense if you can. So it's a big, it's a big McCarthy game. One thing that I find Mm -hmm. so annoying is like every time you go out to a a restaurant, a tavern, like, and they've got four sports stations on, it's like the, the crawl line is always like um, Dak Prescott, this or that something about Dak Prescott. And it's like, I love that we got this far without making him the focal point. And I don't, I really find it tedious, but there are the, there is a He's been thing. in the background this year. He's just kind of been there and not but isn't great, this but, but not this, bad either. But he was not in the background in the two San Francisco playoff losses, obviously, um, and they ended in disastrous fashion both times. That it's like we don't need that uh, this game to end that way. But there's going to be a moment or two in this where it's like Dak Prescott, don't throw the end zone interception or the make the red zone gap. You've got to make the play in this game, and it's like. That's who that defines. This is one of these games that I think is like you will not forget how Dak Prescott performs mm-hmm. in this. You will not forget how the Dallas Cowboys perform in general. This is a big kind of inflection point for who they are and who they who they think they are. And I don't I think it, I almost locked up the, the 49ers here. But then I thought mm. this game is more important to the Cowboys. Man, it's so important to them. I'll I just, just say this where nobody's underdog. And I don't think Trey Lance is going to be knocking on the door at Dak Prescott craps the bed in this game. But <laughs> no, um, I think there is a fair um open question about what is Dak at this stage of his career? Is he going to be the guy that rises to the occasion in the biggest spots? And we might have to wait till January to really get that answer again. Um, but this is a big spot. As far as regular season goes, right. this is about as good as it gets. So I was thinking this is the biggest Cowboys it. regular season game that I can remember Uh-oh. in five plus years. This is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. Wait, are we okay? The purpose is to maintain and improve alert warning capabilities at the federal, state, I didn't get it. tribal, That's and territory. <laughs> you, are you, yeah, are you on the, uh, like, the dark web of uh, I don't know. cell That's carriers? Really weird that I didn't know. I'm not. This is why you had to get that new computer. He's just, he's just doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, I mean, you think like, on a work computer? I don't think so. <laughs> all right. I think so. Uh, all right. So Sunday Night Football cannot wait. Let's get that Sunday night flagship Ooh. program started a little early. Oh. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, we Let's see if we, what we can do. I don't know if people understand what happens. Maybe but, move you know. we'll we'll try to move at a faster pace. We do have the bye week, so that helps. I don't know if they get it though. We start recording the show right after soon after relatively. And a right after. as kickoff is yeah. 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 I mean been a nice couple the, weeks yeah. here for Tariqa. You get a nice a nice Jets game. Well, now we're talking how the sausage <laughs> gets made. Oh <laughs> with Taylor Swift and now you get the game of the year. I didn't mind missing the first half and it was like Cowboys thirty and Giants zero or whatever it was at the break, but this game I want to see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Gonna have to be a little quicker on Sunday night. Can we do that? No. Yes. Mm-hmm. We can do it. All right. Finally. Jermaine Johnson was also held on that. Pat Mahomes scramble. <laughs> didn't we didn't talk? We're going back there. Yeah. Um, okay. That one was unquestionable. <laughs> the other one, you know, I've seen worse calls not made. Yeah. That the 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 Duane one was tough. You know, maybe maybe uh, maybe we got job there, but I won't say anything else. Taylor went home happy. All right, last game. It is Monday Night Football. It is. Uh, I mean, I feel like we just saw these teams in prime time, and yet here we are again. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders uh, once again at home against the Green Bay Packers, this time on the road. And it was. I'm not crazy, right? The Packers were on Thursday Night Football last week. Yep. And the Raiders were on? Sunday Night Football two weeks ago. Yep. Okay. 
does it feels like maybe we let's get some other We'll talk to 345 Park about that immediately. They will not listen, but yes. Uh, So here we go. Um, Mark, uh, the Raiders uh, nearly, nearly um, came away with a win last week with their backup quarterback, but they're one and three, and just there's not a lot of juice around this team right now, and Josh McDaniel seems to be potentially heading towards the crosshair. So this feels like a fairly important game for at least the head coach who doesn't want to drop to one and four after a bad year one in prime time on an Island game with the, with the owner in the suite upstairs, you know what I'm saying? And the Packers who really let's start there. The Packers who kind of no showed um, for the most part last week on Thursday night football. And it's hard to right for me anyway, get too excited about the Packers being anything else other than a, a loge level team. Hmm. Yeah. I think that game was pretty, a pretty decisive turning point for them because shifted from mezzanine to loge, but the same meaning. Yeah. I speaking of the loge and the suites, yeah. like Mark, Mark Davis, like got into a verbal tiff with a fan who was demanding that the team fire Josh McDaniel. So it's already getting a little hot. And really? Like, yeah. You've got Devontae Adams. That. Who's probably wondering like, wait, do I really want to be on this Raiders team versus this like young Packers? Mark team Davis the is side? the only owner in this league. That would go into a verbal spark. I don't think he fan. sparked it. I think it was the yeah. fan probably coming coming at him. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I <laughs> yes. I mean, I you know, I met Mark Davis. Nice nice person. We saw him at a oh we've Super seen Bowl Mark week. a lot through yeah, the years. Nice nice person. Always um, out and about. If, uh, sometimes wearing Zubaz. Always yeah, well, white tracksuit. I feel like, like he when, since he took over suit. for his dad, he, he wears less Zubaz. But I definitely no, saw him wearing. He Zubaz. has, and I love it. And I don't think this is telling tales out of school. This is part of the experience of covering the sport, especially at the tent pole events. Mark, and maybe a little less now, but but maybe like a decade ago, it was literally every tent pole event. If you were at the league hotel or uh, that happened to house like the owners and stuff, Mark is always at the bar and he's always having a good time. And he's always, always wearing white jeans and a white long sleeve Raiders t-shirt. Yep. It's amazing. And I think white, Sneakers. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a, you know, like one of those wardrobes where you, it's just like 80 of the same thing. It's kind of one of those cool things working for the league. And then, oh, there's Al Davis's son at the bar doing it up. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's, he was getting into a verbal argument with a fan, not a great situation. So there is, I think there is this, you're right about this Raiders team. It's like at some point, uh, and and there's space for it, like in this matchup, I think you got to show up. The one area like that you kind of thought, Last year, for me, when I thought the Raiders under McDaniel were starting to develop um, an identity on offense, which they've been kind of identity-free, was like when they were just running the ball Patriots-esque down people's throats. There were a couple games like that, then they went away from it. But the one area with Joe with Joe Barry running the Packers' defense, and they gave up to 211 rushing yards to a good rushing Detroit team a week ago, while running for like 27 on the, themselves with Aaron Jones back in the lineup. I think he'll be healthier this week. You, if Josh Jacobs can have one of these kind of island game at home, like this is the spot, like you can run on this defense. And I, I really wonder outside of that, like how the Raiders like through the air, like can actually get this done. I, I think Devonte Adams is going to be a big part of that for obvious reasons against the team he's playing. But I really like the idea of trying to control the ball, take it out of Jordan Lum's hands and have Josh Jacobs have that game we've been waiting for. We don't even know as we're taping this, you know, who's going to be the quarterback for the Raiders. It, it might be something that goes, Throughout the week, Jimmy G, when last, you know, heard from Josh McGann, was still in concussion protocol, but that that's not surprising considering he missed the game. He could get out of it by the end of the week. He did confirm he, w- he will start. It's not like they're going to stick with O'Connell, who had, you know, more bad than 
good for a rookie, but it wasn't total disaster. Like could have been worse. They need him. They need Devontae Adams, who went out of that game hurt and then played through it and is definitely banged up. It, both these teams have had a lot of injuries. The The Packers get back Elton Jenkins at practice uh, early this week, which would be big. We, we know David Bakhtiari uh, is now expected to miss the entire season, but you had Aaron Jones back in the mix last week. You had Christian Watson back in the mix. Their snaps were a little limited in that Thursday night game, and now hopefully you get a full compliment. I feel like we still haven't quite seen this Packers team exactly offensively as we want. They were quite dominated by Detroit, and now they get to play a Raiders defense. It was not going to dominate anyone. I mean, they're getting some good play here and there from some players, but it's crazy to look at their pass rush, which is last in or close to it in a lot of categories, pass rush win weight and pressures and all this stuff, and think, like, they've got Max Crosby playing as well as he's ever played. He was a demon last week. He's been a demon all season. But as Browns fans know, you can have a pretty bad defense with a defensive player of the year candidate on your defensive line. And they are getting no pressure outside of him. Number two on their team in pressures is actually their inside linebacker, Robert Spillane, who they have like blitzing every now and then. They're just getting absolutely nothing from anyone else on that. It was probably doubly painful to see former Raider Khalil Mack Ring mm. up six sacks uh, against them last week. Um, yes, uh, Josh Jacobs, it, fe- it feels like he's been kind of getting into football shape in the t- front of the season, but last week he had about 140 total yards and a touchdown. I'm, I'm with you. I kind of like the – I don't know if I, I'm going to pick the Raiders here, but I, I think that um, Jacobs is going to have a big game here, and I think this is going to be his first, like, hey, I'm Josh Jacobs, the guy you remember from last year. Um, now will the Packers be able to match that? We shall see. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'm a little spooked by the the Packers. I've seen – I know there was a really nice comeback mixed in there, but there's been a lot of quarters of not-so-hot football. They've been very banged up, and that's part of it, too. We shall see. For the most part, they've had easy matchups in terms of the defenses they face, except for Detroit. And this is another one. And uh, I want to see some Love Fleur specials. He's been been having some nice – Jordan loves – You protect Love, and you should be able to move the ball on the Raiders. Jordan loves QB rating has dropped 50 points – in week three and four from where it was one and two. Yeah, I think that's part of it is like, I mean, I have a lot of forgiveness for their offense in terms of like all these new pieces. I think they've got like 10 players aged 25 or younger with a reception on that offense. Yeah. It shows you how raw and young they are. And they, you know, look at their last eight quarters. Take out that 18.4th last week. It's been a lot of, it's been rough. It's been rough at times this year for the Packers. It's a transition for them. That they're two and two. But they're two and two. All right. There we go. And by the way, the Raiders, they're five and eleven in one score games um since <laughs> last year. Right. Um, so that's that's a lot of one score games. Eleven. They're, they're just there. Sixteen in what, twenty two games or whatever? I was like, why is this game in prime time? And then I thought it, it's the Devontae Adams revenge game. I actually think that is part of it. I it's saw our, like our, we we I mean, we bought cares? a new stadium. I mean, Packers fans care, but you're right. Uh, beyond, I mean, he's a national revenge. Star. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Devontae Adams, yeah, 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 a future Hall of Famer, I believe. Uh, it's hard for me going as against a the fan, Raiders. and I love storylines and narratives around football, but like to get into revenge games unless there's a QB involved. Like QBs, it feels a little. Well, I think it's just oversold in general. When it wasn't revenge either, they like I basically Devontae, gave him what he wanted. If Devontae Adams like leaves the Raiders like before the trade deadline and gets with another team that faces the Raiders. That feels like a revenge game because I think Devontae Adams behind the scenes, who was, you know, kind of annoyed with McDaniel. Did he want out? 
of uh, Green Bay so he can go to the Raiders. That's why I don't think this one is. Yeah. And he I got think paid. The Raiders thing feels like it's getting a little uglier by the week. Uh, that could play out on national. The whole TV. thing, we'll like, see. there's no like, you know, the Chandler Jones thing was, you know, unfortunate for for everyone, primarily Chandler Jones. It's not like Josh McDaniels is saying anything that's driving anyone crazy, but just there's there's not, not a lot of life there. You feel like there's going to be a lot of Packers fans at this game. I saw our old, uh, oh yeah, our old friend Will Bachman saying he there's not a hotel room to be found. <laughs> in in Vegas for this game this weekend, he was Vegas, asking baby, if he could oh, yeah. someone. So yeah, that's that's the thing. I guess that's why they put him on Sunday night and early in the season. It's like this. It is a scene there. I wonder to that point, sneaky big time pressure on McDaniel's for this not to go sideways. Could, uh, uh, yeah, I think like I'll just throw it out there. Yeah, Tuesday morning, could there be a bombshell if the Raiders get stomped in this game? Based on their lack of success so far, and maybe behind the scenes issues around the team. I mean, not if the owners arguing with fans in the in the in the in the opposite direction. But that's that. There is also this weird thing. Maybe this has no. We impact don't know on. about the back and forth. He's saying he's trying to like, stay patient. He's the, been telling reporters yeah. he's trying. You to do stay have patient. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a minority owner, right? For the Raiders. I don't know if they have signed the paperwork. All right. Well, but that was heading that direction. It's yeah. like it's like. T- super tight with Josh McDaniels. Does that keep him around? I don't know. Uh, he is officially uh, an owner of the Las Vegas Aces in that WNBA Finals. I feel like you brought that up too. Short I know. That That's why I said. Multiple. Where I the Liberty, are you a fan of the Liberty? Where the Liberty is, is trying to bring New York a title. Like, <laughs> well, I'm just saying Brady and Mark. Da- that might. I'm. I'm making your point. That Mark yeah. Davis owns that team. They're their business partner. You know what? Yeah. Rebecca Lobo is taking it home for the Liberty this year. I think she's far removed from the lineup. They actually have the MVP. They traded for um, a woman that won MVP. So you are on top of it. I'm not tracking this. Listen, but I will. a New I'll York sports to... fan will take any success we could find. Sure. Let's go, Lib. All right. Anything else? That's it. Thank you to Tom Curran. Uh, thank you to you, the listeners, again. And uh, we'll be back on Thursday with a full preview of Week 5. And the NFL Plus show is back as well. Till then, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l e e s a.com slash iHeart.